0: Alright everybody, before we get started with this episode of bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out Weekly Fantasy Sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotorballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season-long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to, ele- uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's box will be matching your first time deposit up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 348, a special episode tonight, as we have a returning guest of the show, a gentleman I just uh, drafted my first Out Wars team with, so it's a first for both of us, actually. You can find him on Twitter, at AlexFast8. He just does work for MLB, for Pitcher List. He's going to be doing ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. You're just doing it all, my friend. How you doing?
1: It isn't the career maker himself benched with Bubba, the man who
0: helped me get my start in this industry.
1: Uh, I don't think I have ever. I don't think I have ever done any podcast more now uh, than I have done your podcast coming on here for the third time. I am honored to be here. Congratulations to you on being you in well. town. Uh, thank you. We had a, we had a pretty. I would say the week leading up to it absolutely sucked. But we had a pretty fun two hours.
0: Yeah, the two hours is awesome. Um, I told Toby last night before we recorded because he said you guys are messaging about TGFBI. And I'm like, it's funny, fast night you're messaging about Tao because there are like a million questions as like newcomers, and it's just like, ah
1: <laughs> Dude. And then I feel so bad. I was such a jerk to Toby. Like the first time I had to like ask him, I was like, dude, I don't even know your last name because I only see bad flip crazy. Uh and then we were talking about TGFBI and I was thinking about Tao. Out, and we were dming about it and then i was like oh i wonder what league um, toby is in for tgfbi and he's in my friggin' league and i was like <laughs> i'm a, just an idiot i felt so bad like i just felt like such an ass
0: it's okay you probably heard the story um, where at uh, barf last year the last time we actually got the draft live of course because it was in february um danielle justin mason's wife was there mm-hmm. and toby was sitting with me and sammy reed like two tables behind them so, Toby goes to introduce himself to her, and she says, Hi, I'm Danielle. And he goes, Hi, I'm Batflip Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Sammy and I are just dying, just laughing so hard. It was the funniest thing.
1: Was that the one where he did a podcast driving home? Was yes. Was that after that one? Oh, yes. That was so I remember the notes from the dashboard, and I was like, This man's a little.
0: Oh, yeah. No, he said there, he was taking notes while we're drafting, like on the side. And I was like, Dude. Just drive home. <laughs> yeah, crazy. He, I love it. He's yeah. awesome. I felt like such a jerk. No, nah, he's, he's awesome, and I uh, wouldn't worry too much about it. But um, yeah, this was kind of fun. What's before we kind of backtrack a bit? It's been a couple hours. What's just your overall thoughts on the whole draft process and everything for Tau, your first Tau draft? Like just about the process in general? Like what do you like about like fan tracks or what do you mean? Just like just the experience. Like if we were talking beforehand, we were kind of like weirdly nervous going into oh, it. And then yeah. it just kind of went going. Like, so what, what, what kind of went through your head and how did it go for you?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt I mean, like like we said, like I felt pretty nervous. Um I definitely felt like I get like really like shaky and anxious, especially before these things. And I, I was fortunate enough to do. Uh, labor last year. And that was my last live draft. And I felt that kind of same way, even though we were all on Zoom, where it's kind of like, you know, you're with these people that are some of the titans of the industry. You know what I mean? Some of the people who are where we are today because of their work and their efforts. And you want to make sure you're respectful, you're respectful of their time that you that you show that you're prepared. Um, and then you're also like, one of the things that I said before is like, because we obviously all can't be together, which is tout is like something that I think you like have to be there when it happens. Um, Doing it on Zoom was like, I just wanted to focus on my draft software and focus on what was happening. And then now here we are in a Zoom with people who are really big in the industry, some of which we know, some of which we don't know. But then I I, I didn't know what that was going to be like once we got started. Uh, But once we got started, everyone was like just super quiet, super respectful. We all still had some fun for a few picks. Like I think the ice really broke when people were like, hey you know when they would say to one another like that was a nice pick you know what i mean yeah. that feels it feels good. like even if it's bullshit oh sorry yeah. i don't know if i can no, press it. go for uh, it okay yeah. even even if it's bullshit like it feel like you just feel like okay i'm here like my team's coming together we got you know 29 rounds let's just do it what about you how did, did you feel that same way
0: yeah no i'm with you because it was i was telling you beforehand it's weird it kind of reminded me how i felt my first barf draft i remember walking to the the rec room and you know there's Lor's, there's laura michaels there's ray flowers there's bender all these guys and i'm walking in going i shouldn't be here like yeah. <laughs> what in the world's going on here and like mason walks up and super nice to me and kind of like, relaxes me a little bit sammy reads there's so i'm kind of hanging out in that corner and mm-hmm. it's like this just isn't weird so like I've done a ton of drafts and literally as I log into the Zoom, first my microphone wasn't working. So <laughs> yeah, no, but, like yeah. Ron Chandler of all people, like one of the mechas of the deal goes, Hi Brian E, how are you doing? I haven't met you before. And I'm like, oh, god, it's Sorry. great. And then um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there just like it's just perfect. It's like it's like the first day of school and like, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, everything's going wrong. But um, once we started drafting, it was great. And it was uh, a ton of fun. It's a good group of people. I I pretty much have interacted with probably half of them. Half of them I haven't. So Mm kind of like you were saying, once the ice kind of broke, it was like, okay, let's just do our thing. It was fun. Um, But we – well, I'm going to do the listener question now from uh, Daniel Mendelssohn because it kind of plays into something I wanted to talk about. Where were you when you found out? What what were you doing when you found out you were going to be in town?
1: I, I I think it was very, very late Saturday night. My wife and I had had one couple over to our apartment in Brooklyn just because we needed a social hour that was not us for the past year. Um, we had ended the night pretty early. It was like they left at like 1130. Then we just kind of chilled on the couch. It was like a nice, ro- like relaxing night to kind of unwind. I'm trying to learn Spanish, um, so I'm on my phone a little bit more than I want. So it's probably about 130 in the morning. I'm about to finish up this little Duolingo Spanish lesson and I'm literally about to put my phone down. I'm like finally tired enough to kind of go to bed. Cause it takes me a while to fall asleep. And uh, I get an email and it says like, you know, the email, right. You've been invited to tout. And I woke up immediately. I like turned to my wife and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I just got this email, and literally, she was like, <laughs> "Like she
0: had just fallen asleep." Yeah.
1: And dude, it was the worst time in the world to get that email. I didn't go to bed till maybe three forty-five, four o'clock. I got up, like I, I like tried to fall asleep, but I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about what the format was going to be like, or mm-hmm. who, did, like all the work that I had to do. I mean, this was a little over a week ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was just like I, I truthfully, I had to get up and pour myself like a little whiskey and then just sat there. And like, honestly, I didn't I couldn't really turn the lights on because I didn't want to wake my wife up. I just sat there pretty much in the dark with a whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> like Dude, what am I going to do? What am That's I going to awesome.
0: do? Yeah. What That's about awesome. you? Yeah. Mine was crazy because some nights I'll stay up late. Other nights I go to bed early. And I guess um my message came from he DM'd me. Jeff Erickson mm-hmm. DM'd me. and. I was asleep. So I woke up in the morning and I saw I had like three DMs from Jeff Erickson. I'm thinking, what in the world is he sending me stuff at like eleven o'clock at night for? Cause he's on the west coast with me too. I'm like, what what's going on here? Mm -hmm. So I'm starting like brushing my teeth, getting ready for work or whatever, and I open it up and I'm like, just like staring at my phone like what what like what like and like at the very end it's like if you're interested let me know and i'm like yeah yes yes <laughs> as quick as possible uh, yes. just like i've like i've tried to tell people like my wife i've told her and she just like laughs at me, like i'm an idiot like okay whatever she, like, she doesn't understand what it is and no. i'm like trust me like i like, i wrote about it in on, on an article today it's like when i first got serious xm i made a point to sit and listen to these drafts like I mentioned I met Laura Laura Michaels at Barf. I read Dreamland or Fantasyland by Sam Walker. Like all this stuff about tout. When you become an analyst, you're thinking, I know it sounds silly, but you want to be in tout. Like that's kind of where it is. And so when I got that message, I was just like, this is pretty cool. (laughs) Like, like, really, really cool. It's like Christmas morning. So yeah, it was pretty awesome.
1: I felt like I had to be like I had different I have different groups of friends that I had to explain to it differently. But the best I felt like the best explanation was like I got invited to Smash Brothers. Like I, I like I, I I I am the random anime character with a big sword that also yeah. got invited to be in Super <laughs> Smash Brothers. Um, so yeah, I I feel you, and and, and then as a result, I mean then the pressing anxiety that comes with it. Right. Yep. Yeah. I do not want to be, I don't want to look like an idiot. I want to mm-hmm. make sure I come in prepared and then just,
0: yeah, just brutal. Yeah. And then your microphone doesn't work. It's great. Um, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I totally walked in. But yeah. I'm the idiot. New guy yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's funny. Cause like, at, at first they just announced like the people in the league. That's how we kind of all found, are not in the league, it's the new town members. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like, and they didn't really say who was in what league yet. So we didn't know, like I didn't know I was in your league until like the emails came out and stuff. And so like, you congrat like you sent me a message and we were talking for a bit, congratulating each other and whatnot. I was like, okay, cool, cool. And I'm sitting there going, this is what? Like Friday. And yeah. we're like, okay, so when are we doing this? Like mm. what's going on? And then um, we finally found out we're in the same league and we, just, it was, it was fun. So what kind of, for, for those that aren't aware it's OBP league instead of average, it's innings pitch instead of wins and it's saves holds instead of saves. Everything else is the same in a five by five. What prep work? Like when you, cause I'm with you, like the I didn't want to finish last and we still have a long ways to go. Still could, but like I'm, I'm walking in there mm-hmm. going, I need to be prepared for this. So what were yes. you doing to prepare for this um, different format? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, So what I did was like, I uh, luckily I had to prepare for labor early this week, so I had to do these projections. But now this just really forced my hand to stop stalling and make decisions about how to do these things. So here's kind of what I did. I recognize that I am going to have biases as an analyst, right? Mm -hmm. And there's now usually that's going to be okay because they can um, taper off a little bit with a larger sample size, but because of the smaller sample size, I can't really rely on these biases because I could really just be cast by the wayside. So what I did was for every single position, um, and every single player in that position, I took the ATC projections, which are frequently voted some of the best projections. Um, you know, Ariel Cohen does fantastic work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Bat X projections, which Ariel himself found to be one of the most uh, accurate projection systems last year. Um, Derek Cardi's work incorporating StatCast into his Bat product and said, listen, I'm not that smart. I am not mm-hmm. smarter than Derek Cardi and I am not smarter than Ariel Cohen. Uh, what I can do is spend you know, four hours a day in putting numbers into a spreadsheet and and then putting it into a draft software. So that was, that was really my prep, like find a, a and a mix of the bat X and ATC projections that I thought worked, bring in some, uh, at bat projections from Raz ball to kind of, you know, taper it off and have a third perspective there. Cause I think they're really accurate with that. And then just try and think of strategy. I mean, I, I was joking about it when we were drafting about like, I always read these articles about we're drafting saves wrong and I couldn't figure out whether, and I'm you know, he- eager to hear your feedback on this too. Like, do I just go ahead and punt saves and holds until the very end of the draft because they're just bound to be everywhere? Yeah. Or do I go in the inverse, try and grab two of the best save hold guys uh, and then kind of go from there. And it yeah. seems like the league, like I'm looking at the the draft now in in RotoLab which is the the software that I use. It seems like the league was like, okay, it's the final 5 rounds. It's the reserves. Like here's all the relief pitchers. Like yeah, I think
0: your last I took four four, last four picks, yeah. Yeah,
1: your last four picks were relievers. So that that seemed to be your mentality going into it, right?
0: Yeah, I luckily it was a 20 team league that I used to do for a long time. We did saves and holds. So okay. I had a little experience, obviously 12 team big difference. But the one thing I found in those leagues there's holds always to be found on the waiver wire. Yeah. Like they're always out there. If something weird happens now, given you don't want to have to rely on that. So I waited to the last four. If you look at my, like I think I have five or six relievers total. If mm-hmm. you look Perfect. uh Iglesias is a closer, mm-hmm. like a locked in closer, but the rest of them are kind of in between, like what's going on. So like they, they were closers. Then they got someone signed. They're good. Uh, you know, eighth inning, seventh inning guys, they're going to get a ton of holds. But what I liked when I was doing it is ratio strikeouts. That's what those guys bring to the table. That if all things fail, say they don't get the holds or whatever, if they make three appearances that we get one hold, they'll still maybe get me 6Ks in good ratios. So mm-hmm. that's where I stood out in that one. And that was one of the strategies I had coming into it. Didn't mean I wasn't going to change. Obviously, there's some people in this league that you saw they went heavy, heavy relievers early, or not heavy, but got like the big closer types early, which uh, is definitely in play as well. It seems we had similar, similar, um, Prep yours is much more in depth than mine, but um, mine was kind of like my college days. I literally went. Uh, uh, Toby actually mentioned this, and it was a good idea. Is I went into Fan Tracks use the auction calculator. So I put mm-hmm. our um, put our formulas in and I printed out the AT- with ATC projections and with bat X projections. And oh, I sat there. yeah, exactly. That's why I laughed when he started talking about it. I like, This is perfect because I love the Bad X ATC has pitching where Bad X does not. So I just did both for whatever and, and crossed them over. And I just kept kind of like. St- I, I've, I've always been I needed to see stuff so I, always, I just had papers I would sit on the couch just like going over papers or watching a show at night and she's like what are you doing I'm like oh, I'm just studying <laughs> she's like what are you studying for oh don't worry about it and I'm just sitting there just kind of going over it and going over it started making my strategy and play um with the OBP factor how did that differ your offensive approach
1: yeah, that's a that's a really great question. I think um, I didn't have uh, Yancey asked me this last night. I didn't have an overall strategy coming into the draft. I don't think. I think I really was just like, okay, I'm probably going to end up with bouts oh, bouts with bets or Trout or maybe Bieber in the first round, and that's who I can build off of. So as a result of not having that strategy. I just tried to focus more on those projections. And then Rotolab, which I feel like I talk about all the time now, allows you to put in tags that say, um, who, who you know, put a red tag for someone who has OBP, put a green tag for someone who has speed, put a blue tag for someone who has save hold capabilities. So I would really just keep an eye on guys who had above average OBP. Um, that were going to allow to, me to build a floor to take guys that if I needed to take a hit to OBP, which luckily I didn't end up really need need to. That didn't really end up happening for me, but I just kind of kept an eye on like, okay, you know who who's still available. I got really lucky in that like when you start out with bets and then you know get Muncie a little bit later. At that point, I'm like. I, I, I'm probably going to be okay. You know what I mean. I'm not going to finish last in OBP with those guys. I actually ended up going a little more OBP heavy than I think I even anticipated. Uh, But yeah, that was kind of my methodology coming into it.
0: Yes, I did the same thing. First off, I did not think Juan Soto would fall to me at third. That was like a gift from the fantasy gods. I I I said I think I even said it in the chat when it happened. I was like the night before I had Juan Soto, Mike Trout, and Jacob Degrom written down. That was Mm -hmm. I wanted one of those three. And the fact my top one got to me at three, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. This will work. Yeah. So um, that sets you up as a, as a great OB, OBP source. And I just kind of filled it in. I, I think I went heavier than I would have as well. It just felt like certain things were falling where I liked it that I just kept grabbing them and grabbing them. And, and playing in bar for a couple of years, which is an OBP league, I really learned that if you don't have a good floor of OBP after the draft, it is very hard to make it up um mm, that's so, good to hear you say <laughs> yeah that at least at least for me i, I was very hard it's hard for, like i can make up saves and holds making up obp was very very challenging to me um unless you want to have a bunch of brandon belts in the world and hope they all keep hitting that's where you have to mm. kind of get lucky and so i wanted to make sure my starting 13 or so i uh, felt pretty confident now yeah that, that could change obviously
1: I loved the way you started. I mean, you—you you know what's actually kind of funny is I—I'm just looking at your, your your draft over here on this monitor. Um, I—that's the Giolito Castillo is what I was when I got in TGFBI. Uh and I love that. I just think that's such a good way to start. And those are two guys that I'm not concerned. Like this is an innings pitch league; it's not just wins, so that just makes it all the much better. Like I mean, those are guys that I'm really not concerned about, uh, you know, obviously you're concerned about injury, just like you're concerned about injury with everyone, but they haven't had major pressing injury concerns. Um, So, yeah, that's just a hell of a way to start.
0: I have Lito as my SP4 on the season, so I've been grabbing him everywhere I can. So as he has falls to me, I just get very giddy about that. But um, like before Castillo, who I'm a big fan of, when Scherzer and Glass now went, I was shocked that Castillo felt to me There, I thought he was definitely not coming back. But, um, yeah, I went those two with Witt and then Lance Lynn. So I had three pitchers in the first five, five rounds, but to me they're innings eaters, and with innings pitch it was huge. You did something very similar. Um, you did Darvish and, and Kershaw in rounds two and three. But what I loved about – and I'm going to just jump a little farther down your draft so we can come back if you want. But uh, you went Jose Barrios, who I had penciled as one of my next picks when you grabbed him, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. And then um, you went Sandy Alcantara. And the, like, just those right there, your, your top four we know are good for a lot of innings. Was that a strategy going into it that you wanted? Because like some people, you can get like the new like I was kind of shocked when like a McCullers or Lamet went because you're kind of curious about the innings, but you got guys that are going to throw innings.
1: Yeah, you know it's so funny. So I just wrapped up a podcast with Nick and and we were talking about you know in this format if Jose Barrios and Marcus Stroman can be the same person. So I was not very happy that you ended up getting Marcus Stroman. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that is you know I think when I was. I didn't... The only way that I relied on ADP in this draft was to get some sort of idea of, like, okay, is it a little too early to take this guy, or is it a little too late? Uh, and I was, like, looking at who was available, and I was like, oh, Jose Barrios goes a lot earlier than this and if anything should have gone earlier in this draft because he's another workhorse guy this is a guy who theoretically as you said is going to get 185 innings he's going to get a lot of innings at the end of the year and I don't think he's going to hurt you there's a chance he could not be the most beneficial because sometimes that curveball can be a little bit erratic Um, but there's a good chance he's going to get you 185 innings of pretty good baseball and then the same thing with Sandy Alcantara I was just a little bit shocked you think if it was a wins league you would ding him because of the Marlins but they're going to let him throw I mean That rotation is filled with guys that, you know, they might not throw later on, right? Sixto Sanchez might not get the most innings pitched. You know, Trevor Rogers is still a question mark at their number five spot. They have plenty of those question marks. So Cindy Alcantara needs to be that guy for him. Uh, And he's shown that I don't think he's going to absolutely tank your value once again. Um, Something that I frequently talk about with Nick is like, just get who are your four guys that you're just not going to drop? You know what I mean? Who are who are those four guys? And you got them, and I got them. I mean, I, I'm very high on Marcus Stroman. Uh, obviously, Lance Lynn, Castillo, and Giolito. Those are four guys that I just think like, okay, we're set. We can experiment a little yep. bit more a little bit later. Um, Hopefully, Darvish stays healthy for me. Hopefully, Kershaw stays healthy for me. But if they do, I think I'll be okay.
0: Yeah, on, on paper, what we did, and I think we were both trying to get, was like you said, our big four that we're, we're comfortable with. Because I want to be able to just like plug these guys in every week and not worry about it. And with the six-man bench, we're going to be able to rotate in bats or rotate in more saves-holds guys if something happens and not have to focus on starters so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it happens a lot in 15-team leagues. Like 12 teams, I always laugh at the end of the draft going, man, there's still so much on the waiver wire. It's crazy. But, um, you know, in, in, in 15s, you get in trouble with it a lot. In 12s, you can, where you're sitting there with like two or three guys you trust, and you're trying to rotate in like two or three starters every week. And it's A, stressful, and B, you can screw it up a lot. So it's there's really no fine science to it. It's not that I've figured out yet. Maybe Toby has it or so, Nick has it or someone else has it. I don't know. But I think being able to just plug those four in, you're comfortable there. Now you have much more flexibility everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's fun. I love that you took Liam Hendricks early. That was one of the – it was him and, and Iglesias were one of the two wanted early, and I didn't notice you took Hendricks at first. I saw Chapman go, so I started typing in the queue. I'm like, where's Hendricks at? I'm like, oh, fast got him. So – um <laughs> Were you like making a point to get Liam Hendricks? Cause I said on previous like relief pitcher shows, I want one of the top four. That's yeah. what I want to leave with. So was that a point for you as well?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, uh, um, I keep going back to this and I hate to sound like a broken record, but like, there, I was really re- – I put in all these projections, like manually put in like all these different projections, and then they have a tool about how you can value these projections. They, they have like, this thing called the – what is it? The PVM method and the SGP method, like all these methods that I was like, these people are way too smart for me. Mm-hmm. Um, So I really like spent a lot of time on these models and which ones to use, and then the hitter-pitcher split. And the reason I bring all this up is because when that – when all of these outputs came out, Liam Hendricks was like a $41 pitcher in this league. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, even if that's a little wrong, uh, all these other pitchers look right, but let's say he's wrong. Um, Excuse me, sorry. He was just so much more valuable than the next guy at that point that I thought to myself, he's not going to fall to me if I wait a little bit longer. Is it too early to take him? I can definitely see why you would make that argument in the sixth round. Uh, Also, it's a saves hold league. So like, I'm going to be able to get saves and holds, as you said, Mm -hmm. but I just thought, He's going to get plenty of saves and holds no matter what. It doesn't matter which one he's going to get. His ratios are probably going to be fine. He's probably going to get you a lot of strikeouts. He's probably going to get you a really, really good whip. If there's no one else that I love there, why not just set up that floor early? Like, why not just go ahead and set it up? And like you said, it's going to help me later on because of all these floor pitchers. If I keep that floor, you know, relatively in good shape. I'll be able to stream these guys and not freak out when they blow up and give up five earned runs or six earned runs, but strike out 10. You know what I mean? So that was yeah, kind and, of my thinking there.
0: And that's why I wanted a Hendrix or a, um, a Glacius. If I could have double tap it, that would have been really fun. But that was not even a possibility in this in this room. But what the reason like, I'm good with taking one of them early or just kind of waiting in a saves hold is now you have Hendrix, just like the starters we talked about. He's plugged in. You're not taking him out of your lineup. Where. Yeah. My four guys, I took in my last four picks. you want to know how many weeks I'm going to screw that one up? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I like them all a lot. Like Tanner Scott, Rainey. I like yeah. all these guys. on, But I already know that there's going to be a week where one of them is going to be on my bench. He gets like three holds and eight Ks. And like, it's already two holds and a win. Or we don't have wins. But you know what I mean. It's going to be just like, ah, oh, that stinks. But yeah. um, where, where Hendricks, you're just leaving him in. And he's on yeah. a good team. He's going to win a lot of games. He's probably going to make... 50 appearances, if not more, save 30 something games. You can't go wrong. So uh, I like that quite a bit. And that's kind of how I distinguish between the two. It's just like you can either wait and get the volume and play that game, or you get the stud who you're just going to trust mm. and go. So I'm with you there. just um, hope he doesn't suck. No, nah, if he does, then I'm in trouble too. So I, <laughs> I rostered him a lot of other places. So <laughs> it's it's just one of those deals. I can have him as my, my relief pitcher one in my newest rankings too. So mm. yeah. Um, One thing I want to hit on is. You took Nick Anderson in round 14. I took um, Peter Fairbanks a couple rounds later. So we're kind of on the same page here. And uh, Chris Towers mentioned it in the chat. We talked about it for a couple minutes. The beauty of saves holds is now the Rays are all rosterable. So what's your thoughts on Nick Anderson?
1: Yeah, I hate Nick Anderson in saves leagues because he doesn't get saves because he's literally the Devin Williams of the Rays and that like he's their fireman. And I think he's going to continue to be their fireman. He arguably is the best pitcher in that bullpen. And as a result, because he's in Tampa, it means that he's not going to be used at the end. He's going to be used in the most high leverage situations. So I I thought, I mean, that's also way early in terms of ADP. And I can understand that. But in the saves hold league, he's going to I think at the end of the year, he will be the saves hold. Leader either in the league or 100 for the Rays, but then as you said, they th- that team is just built of bullets. You know what I mean. And yeah. Peter Fairbanks is another guy that if Nick Anderson is coming in, so is Peter Fairbanks. You know what I mean? Like he he is he has so much value in a saves hold league. And once again, it's the same mentality that I had with Nick Anderson. This isn't like a you know this isn't like a like a like a Richard Rodriguez or something that like okay he's getting you saves and holds, but is he going to absolutely destroy my ratios right now? Yeah. These are guys that are, are going to keep them pretty pristine so that's good to see
0: yeah and that's why like uh the round before nick anderson went drew pomeranz went to ron chandler and he's a guy i have circled for the same reason he might not close but when he's in he's like a josh Hader esque type arm which is great um the the, the cardinal situation we saw G- giovanni gallegos go before jordan hicks like mm-hmm. you you start to see like heck jordan uh trevor may ron chandler was onto something he went Pomeranz, a couple rounds later, Yates. A couple rounds later, uh, Trevor May. He went out of Vino and Jordan Romano. So going through his roster, I guess you could count Kirby Yates. That's his only legit locked-in, quote-unquote, closer right now. So it just shows you the flexibility in this league.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of fun. I dig it.
0: Yeah, I started to like it. The more it started flowing, it started feeling a little better. Um, Overall... What's your like? Do you, do you? Is there a weakness you're worried about? Do you just like everything about your team? What's your your thoughts on your roster?
1: If I ever tell you during a podcast that I like everything about my team, <laughs> you could
0: punch me in the dick, um,
1: <laughs> because I, I will never like anything. I will never love anything fully about anything I do. Um, I I think it's a really nice floor. I I, I think I've you know I, I've said that a bunch. I think it really sets me up. Well, going into the season, um, I think I could have done better getting maybe a little bit more power um, and taking advantage of the OBP floor that I built r- film myself. Um, and by that, I mean, like maybe just going around earlier on Joey Gallo that that would have been really nice. I think I want to get the guys who the dead ball theoretically wouldn't matter. There's a chance that the dead ball hurts Mookie Betts a little bit, that it hurts Starling Marte a little bit. You know, I still think Pete Alonso and Eugenio Suarez have enough power that that's really not going to matter as much for them. Um, I think I could have gone with another innings guy. I think even with Darvish, Kershaw, Berrios and Alcantara, I'm not slated to finish. I think I'm like, fifth or sixth in terms of innings. And that makes sense because I prioritized Hendricks and uh, Anderson, Martin, and um, Class A. Um, the reason I did that was because, okay, like you said, I can leave Hendricks, Anderson, and Martin in. Mm-hmm. Who am I going to find that is going to get innings and hopefully they can be effective? Uh, that is going to be my struggle for for the waiver. Where are the innings and where are the effective innings? Uh, I think I've got a good enough chance while I find those to stay in the hunt uh, as that happens.
0: Well, the the good thing also about tout on like, you know, people talk about NFPC every, all the time we can trade. So if like, you're feeling pretty confident in one category or another, be it offensive or or pitching and you need to get an innings guy, maybe later in the year, you're calling me up for Lance Lynn or something because you need innings and I need something else. Like we, there's a lot of, a lot of ways this can go that'll that'll change things up quite a bit which will make things interesting as well um there's a couple of picks of mine that i had circled that you uh took ahead of me and one they're <laughs> they're almost in back-to-back rounds so i wanted to ask you, like we already talked about Barrios basically and we're on the same page there but then on the way back you took marcus simeon like two picks before me and yeah. i had I, I, I literally passed on him thinking okay he'll come back he'll come back no he did not first before i even ask what was your thought like He's shortstop on fan tracks, but you look at the gritty second base. Did you draft him for second base or shortstop?
1: I drafted him for shortstop because after that, it was terrifying who was there. Uh, So I was like, because I I think I was going to go Dansby Swanson, and then he was taken by Andy three uh, picks before me. So I was like, okay, after that, I don't really feel good about Tommy Edman. Uh, And then I don't the next uh, shortstop was taken. So that was this was around 10. The next shortstop was taken uh, in round 16 with Didi. And I just didn't feel confident in that drop off. So to be honest, I don't even think I really researched Simeon a lot. I just put in his projections and then moved on. So I was like, okay, I just I got to I have to take him here. I'm sorry that it caused you pain. You caused me pain plenty. So uh.
0: (laughs) no, it's fine. It was a good pick because I like the idea. He's going to get second base eligibility. So as your season goes on, you're quite flexible. Batting second in that lineup is going to be awesome. Uh, there's a ton to like about Simeon. I think his his price tag is pretty low uh, right now. Another guy I wanted to ask you about on your roster because I'm like really curious about him. I've seen a lot of great articles written about him. I just I I, I don't know his price tag still hasn't moved much. So I'm curious. We've seen Aaron Savali. We've already I believe you tweeted the video out the other day of his new um, arm release, like the different movement he's got going. Kind of a shorter um, pitch pitch. Uh, I can't even speak right now, but. Um, What's what is it? You said you think the Indians are gonna let him go. Are you like thinking he's the next police sack step? Where do you think he's going?
1: Yeah, I, I really do um there's so much there that I really like about Aaron Savali. He's one of those guys also that you know in his first five starts last year, he had a 2.91 ERA with a 3.62 uh FIP. Um and uh, excuse me, a 3.62 Sierra, a 2.72 FIP. If you take away that last start with the eight earned runs, his ERA drops to 399 with a 3.63 FIP. Um, the thing about him is I just think that he has so many skills to take the next step and he already has such a good foundation to build upon his sinker is a CSW machine um, and he really is overall as well he had a 30% CSW on his curveball his changeup, and his sinker with a near 30% CSW on his cutter um, he does a fantastic job getting ahead of the count his he had a 51% true F strike last year which was top 50 in baseball excuse me top 35 right behind Zach please the issue with him It seemed like he just didn't have a pitch that he was really relying on um, to go for strikes. For some reason, he was just really reticent to use that curveball. Um, And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think theoretically he could also even go back to being like a a, a four-seamer kind of guy. He also said in the most recent article that he has a new splitter. And uh, that new splitter could be absolutely huge for him because it, he just needs another action pitch. You know what I mean? He needs another pitch that's going to be able to get whiffs. Um, and he already has that theoretically in the slider and the curveball. He already has a pitch that can get strikes in the cutter and the sinker. So if he has another pitch in his arsenal that he can rely on for strikes, and like I would have taken him earlier, and then I just realized that he was still available. And like <laughs> at round 20, He can have a 420 ERA, a 430 ERA. You know what I mean? That's fine at round 20. Um, But yeah, like I said, too, like in my mind, the guys that the Indians are going to be a little more careful on the innings with are, you know, Logan Allen and Cal Quantrill and Tristan McKenzie. I think you need some guys who are going to throw over 160, and I think it's going to be Bieber, Pleasac, and Savali.
0: No, I like that quite a bit. That's why I wanted to get your take on that, because I think he does have the goods to make it go, and I'm really curious to see how that continues going. And I heard him on um, the SB Streamer podcast. Oh, no. no, it was a triple play fantasy a while back. And uh, he's very in tune with that idea of having to throw innings. So it's good to uh, hear he's planning for it as well. Um, just looking at your roster, I, I love a lot about it. So I'm not going to nitpick too much more about it. But um, you mentioned the the new pitch for Sabali. So I wanted to just ask your thoughts on this because as a guy like yourself, it's been, been on TV and is going to be on TV again this year for ESPN now, um, how, how many times do you think people are going to screw up uh, Travis or Tyler Glass now's new slutter pitch? <laughs> yeah. Like this is something <laughs> yeah. we
1: do even had like internal meetings about at MLB yeah. like, cause what happens if you abbreviate it? Like yeah, what happens trouble. if like, Big trouble. the broadcast cuts off the last two letters? Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it, you know, but also I'll believe it when I see it like in a game. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. This is, this reminds me of like Chris Paddock working on a pitch last year and like, yeah, that never really came to fruition. So let's uh let's see how that yeah. goes. And let's use it like fifteen to twenty percent of the time before we get too excited about it. But exactly. uh, I saw that get tweeted out and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. This like this <laughs> nothing good's coming from this people. Like no, in the no, in the no. world we live in right now, like nothing good is coming from that at all. Um at least be like majorly too and like call it the dominator, the eliminator yeah, or something. Yeah. Like get creative about it but um, I don't know yeah. why
1: we don't do that more often. Like, like at least you Darvish had the Supreme, like right. go just make it something else, make it something else. So wh- 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 while we're talking about, you know, nice picks, how dare you stab me in the back uh, in round seventeen with Josh Lindblom? What a monster you are! Like I was like, oh, I can wait, I can wait. I'm gonna get Josh Lindblom. That's gonna everyone's gonna. I'm gonna, everyone's gonna carry me out of the draft room. They're gonna come to my house. Uh, so w- what? What was going through your head there? I love it.
0: Well, I drafted him pretty much everywhere last year. We know how that went, but I followed him a lot, obviously because I drafted him and I loved playing him in DFS and. He's he's got a great swinging strike profile. Like everything, mm-hmm. his pitches are great. We even broke it down. On the latest uh, Bub on the backflip. You know, like it was three or three or four pitches. I think had a thirty percent or better CSW, and um, or it's maybe a different pitcher. But he has a great CSW and like a swinging strike rate that's electric on like three pitches at least three or four. Mm-hmm. So he's phenomenal in that regard. He was having back issues a lot last year, which definitely could uh, hurt the overall production. And again, like I kind of how I felt with Savali is um limblum's very much in tune with what's going on he's talking to people he's working on his spin like he notices that's a problem that he needs to get better at i just don't see how another year is gonna make him any worse i think it's gonna make him better if anything because if you already have the swinging strike profile that he has and the the pitch mix angle, it's six pitches i think he throws like close to 10 percent or more of the time Mm. like this 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 is really really good and um i i think at I, I had him circled and I, I knew I was going to get the reaction I got, but i was like, I have to take him now. I guess it's too good because I think if he does figure it out, like I think he will, we're thinking we're seeing 150, 160 pretty quality innings for a, similar to the Indians, a team like Milwaukee that needs guys to throw innings. So yeah. I, I think Lindblom's. I, that's why I like him quite a bit.
1: What a bastard. Uh, Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, yeah, he's going to get the innings. I think he has such a nice upside. It doesn't, you know, sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. Uh, He also like sometimes it's a transition period coming back from the KBO. The KBO and the MLB are two very different brands of baseball. Uh, And I think he's seen that and he's figured out, Okay, this is what I need to be doing to getting guys out. He has such nice movement profiles on his pitches. So, yeah, I was not a happy camper when I saw that.
0: Speaking of the KBO, how bummed were you? Like, you, you you had to be happy, but you're bummed at the same time that your new buddy, Dan Straley, didn't come back over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy that he yeah. went over and got paid. Um, but I am upset with the league in general that – I mean, like, Jaco Odorizzi is not signed.
0: Like, I, we, I literally said the same thing last night. We were talking uh, – sorry to interrupt you, but we were talking no, about – No, no, please. We were talking – here, what pitcher we were talking about that just signed somewhere. Oh, it was a Mets signing Tywin Walker and gave him, like, a two-year deal. like – if he's getting that, why is Jake Gooder? Is he still unsigned? Like, what's going on here? It makes no sense at all.
1: It's insane. It, 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 so, And that's why I was, in the end, happy for Dan, because, mm. like, that's the market right now. You know right. what I mean? That That's the market. Um, and I think he still has, uh, you know, a lot to give. I know he's working on a new cutter that I've been taking a look at, and that's really exciting. Uh, so I think he can have another big year in the KBO. But, like, yeah, I, it, it just didn't make sense to me that, like, if every friggin' team mm-hmm. is going with a six man right now, yep. why wouldn't, you know, a team like he could be a solid five or six for a team that really. is coming off a year where he threw 180 innings or whatever. Yep. You know what I mean? So we don't have any concerns there about that. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I understand like, yes, I am fortunate enough to, you know, have somewhat of a friendship with him and that's great. But even when I remove those, those glasses, mm-hmm. like, it, he dominated the KBO. He has a lot of innings that he can throw again this year. So it just didn't
0: make any sense to me. No. And that's like, I don't have the relationship and it made no sense to me. That's why I wanted to ask you because mm. he was so good in the KBO and it seemed like he signed that new deal so fast. It was just like, he got tipped off. Like this isn't going to work over here. Like just take your, yeah. like he's happy over there. Talks about with his wife and his kids and he's happy, which is awesome. So like, mm. yes, go enjoy it. But it's just like a bummer thinking, you know, he was so good last year. He improved on things. We've seen him have good moments in the bigs before. Like Come back home and do your thing. But that's the mess we live in. I, I don't know if, if you've listened to it or if you plan on listening to it. Um, Chris Rose started a new podcast with John Boy. Mm-hmm. And he had Trevor May on with him. He's, he's going to have players co host with him a lot. And Trevor May talked about him signing with the Mets. And it was really telling just the market, like you mentioned, he didn't expect to sign early. He was doing other stuff, and then his guy called and said, "Hey, I got this two-year deal or whatever for you. Do you want it?" He said, "Yes, please," because this market's horrible. Like, I want this now. Like, Mm. like he says, all the players have talked about how bad it is right now, and it's only going to get worse. I'm like, oh, this is not good. good." It's not good. It does not bode well. No, not not at all. All right, so draft is in the books. Where do you go from here? Like, what's your plan on talent? Like, where? What's your expectations? Your realistic expectations, not your. You know, narcissistic, I'm going to hate my team expectations. What's your realistic expectations?
1: First, I don't think about baseball for just a day. Like, I just want to wake up tomorrow and not think about baseball, and that's not going to happen. My realistic expectations, pray to God that I make it through spring training healthy Mm -hmm. is is number one. And then from there, I think Roto is probably the format that I am least familiar with. Okay. I've always been a head to head and a points guy. Um, So I think don't overreact. Mm-hmm. It's it is now more so than ever because it's not head to head. It is a marathon and not a sprint. You know, and then let these guys just sit for a uh, for the first couple weeks, for the first couple you know starts, um, and then don't you know. The thing that sucks about that is like when do you make that right decision to pull the trigger exactly. on a waiver wire guy? You know what I mean. Yeah. So I think trying to find. You know, who are those guys like is, is Gene Segura, you know, is Joey Votto usually in a regular league. I'd be like, yeah, I can let go of Joey Votto, but in an OBP league, it just makes it that much worse. So usually I'm one to sit a little too long before I get off the pot. Um, so I, I think I'm just going to try and be patient. What about you?
0: No, you, you, you echoed a lot of it. No, I, I usually play Roto head to head and points. So I'm, I, I'm, I guess, accustomed to the waiting game but i'm guilty of it i remember a few years ago when matt carpenter broke out i dropped him before the breakout happened mm-hmm. and that yeah. one stings to this day i obviously i remember it very clearly but mm-hmm. um there's been other leagues where i hold on to guys too long so it's one of those you talk you listen to like vlad and some of the great fab guys out there that you just you need to just have like a short term memory on certain mm-hmm. situations follow the stats um so i'm with you there i got i want to be able to in a 12 team league the, the beauty of it is there's a the replacement value is pretty good on the waiver yep. wire compared to a 15 where it's even harder to make that decision. So that'll be interesting. I'm curious to see how active, um, like bidding wise people are like how much money quantities, that's always a big conundrum of mine. So I'm mm-hmm. curious on that, but, uh, we'll see. Are you a big trade person? Or are you anti-trade or do you rarely trade?
1: i rarely rarely trade just because it's not worth a headache um and i usually think i can just find what i need on on the waiver um and it's also like usually like maybe i'll be able to find a guy in my home leagues who like i can probably trade with but like we all know shit in this league you know what i mean so what i'm gonna when i'm gonna trade with you it's like okay well what does casey Bubba know that i don't know you know what i mean like so that i don't know how many trades are gonna be and i also like i'm so tempted to just throw like a Two hundred and forty dollar fab bid the first week, just to mess with everything.
0: just to to light the room up real quick. (laughs) Totally, let's do it. Let's go. We're one of the new guys. Let's just totally thunderdome this place and see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm curious because you know a lot of these guys have played together for so long; they know each other's tendencies. We have no idea, so literally we're walking in blind. So that'll be fun um, because that's one of my biggest issues is, is the right prices to put out there. I don't trade a lot as well because I guess for me it's. You always want to win the trade, but you don't want to get screwed over someone in the trade. So it's yeah. hard finding that happy medium because like I might value someone different than you value someone, and vice versa. So it's it that's very very tricky. Um. So yeah, I'm with you. Like the goal for me, I kind of want to like obviously want to win, but realistically, yeah. finish in the top half. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. Like, like finish the top half, fight to the end. Like, that's why I do whenever even TGFBI out like last year I was out of money, uh, halfway through. So four weeks in. And I kept fighting. You just you keep trying because that's just my style. But yeah. um, we'll see. I'm really I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Hopefully next year we get to actually do this in person. I don't know. Maybe this is one they'll do on like labor. Does a few online and a few live. Maybe this will always be online because we did it early like this. I don't know. But um, we'll see. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, before we wrap up, I have to ask you a couple of Orioles questions. Oh, um, yeah, okay. So John Means, um, big believer in, I know that's, you're good there. So we don't, we don't have to discuss that. We're good there. What other pitchers, I, I've would you a few times because there's like Kramers and there's a few other ones that kind of, they had moments last year and you're sitting there going, maybe. Are there any of them that are rosterable out the gate, like draftable this season?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And I, I, to be honest, like, I think sometimes my homerism goes more in the opposite direction where I'm like, Oh, they can't be good. You know what I mean? So therefore don't do it. I think what I try and like really try and look at this, just from an analyst standpoint, remove all those biases. Um, Kramer, it has a lot of potential. There is potential there. I do think that fastball curveball combination can be a really exciting pitch mix for him. Um, The curveball isn't necessarily utilized the same way that a lot of people would, and that it's not necessarily a with pitch for him. It's more of a called strike pitch or a get ahead pitch, I think. Um, And so with that said, I was like, okay, well, then I don't really know what his overall, what does he have a pitch? That's going to be like, Oh yeah, here's just 25%. Here's his 20% swinging strike rate pitch. Um, and I was a little scared about if that was going to happen. Rumor is that he has a new cutter. Um, I don't know if that is going to be the, that, that swing and miss pitch for him, but maybe it frees up the curveball to be that swing and miss pitch for him. Um, but I do know that he also starts back to back, I think against the red Sox, uh, with the Yankees in between. Ooh. Um, And so it's sort of like I don't quite know if I want to draft him or Keegan Aiken, um, knowing that they have question marks, which could be good for him. Keegan Aiken's fastball, I actually do believe in because I think it has a really good sneaky movement profile. Um, But I don't know if I really want to spend in a 12 team because they're, you know, someone's just probably going to drop them after they get lit up by the Red Sox or the Yankees anyway. Um, and then the rest of that rotation, like <laughs> what is a Matt Harvey and a Felix yeah. Hernandez, you know, yeah. do they exist? <laughs> um, I will say that there are a lot of gems in, in in the bullpen, I think. And I think Tanner Scott really is one of them. Yeah. I actually think he ends the year as the saves leader for the Orioles. Yeah. Um, I just think he's got a really fantastic slider fastball combination that has some deception to it. Um, and it has better command, I think, than Hunter Harvey does. So I think there, there's like, that's the thing. Like, people always dunk on crappy team bullpens, Mm -hmm. but like the Royals and the Tigers have frequently been in like the top five and 10 in saves at the end of the year. You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, guys like him, guys like Cesar Valdez, who has that Mm -hmm. freak of a changeup, like there is benefit there, especially in deeper leagues.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I've said for a long time that. And obviously you've written the content that says what uh, I'm trying to say better about these like save situations. A lot of people go to these teams that are really, really good. That's going to win hundred games, but I, someone said it best, you know, most team, most, not all, most teams will win 60 games, lose 60 games. And it depends on what the other 60 games do. That's mm, like yeah. our, some, some, some mixed match. Obviously it's not 180 games, but something 60, 60 and uh, 42. So that that's kind of the mix. And you got to imagine the teams that aren't that good; they're playing closer games. They're gonna have safe situations, mm-hmm. so that's where I kind of lean there. And also, that Tanner Scott pick in round twenty-seven was pretty good, I'll have to admit. Yeah, but, it was um, good. But I'm a big DJ Stewart fan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I I almost went for him here because of OBP league. I love Trey Mancini. I call him Trey Boo Boo. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of this Orioles offense. Is there anybody that might stand out this year that like most people don't know about? And
1: most people don't know about that's a really interesting question. I'm really curious to see what they've got cooking with Yusniel Diaz. He was the mm-hmm. other guy in the Manny Machado trade with Dean Kramer. It is not encouraging to me that they did not even give him a look in the shortened season last mm-hmm. year. But I genuinely get, like wonder if, like, you know, they're just trying to tweak him in a particular way uh, to, to get him to where he wants to be. I mean, the other ones. I I shouldn't assume people know about them. I mean, like Anthony Santander, I think can be a valuable fantasy asset. Yeah, I think. And the big question last year with him was like, well, is he just a defensive liability? And he had, he was incredibly improved defensively. And I think that cements a job for him in the outfield. I don't know if I'm personally buying into the Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, who's going to be the center fielder sort of thing. I think Austin Hayes wins that job out just because of his offense alone. Um, But yeah, you already talked about DJ Stewart and then, if they can get him the at-bats, Ryan Mountcastle can once again be another yeah. fantasy asset, I think. I watched him misread the hell out of a ball in left field yesterday, and my God, did it make me laugh? Like the sun got in his eyes and it dropped like 40 feet behind him. Um, I still think they can find some at-bats for him at first base. Like, I don't think anyone in Baltimore cares if Chris Davis sits on the bench. Um, so yeah, those are those are kind of I man, I still wish we had Hansa Alberto and
0: Jose Iglesias. I was just I about to ask it. you, like I was just about to ask you. Hanser Alberto got a minor league deal somewhere. What's wrong, Kansas Bumper? City? No, like, yeah, it doesn't well, make any sense. Like, I was so bummed because I, I literally, I would, for DFS conversations, the Tigers and the Orioles, I seem to stack all the time because they were always so cheap and they were in pretty good matchups. Like the Red Sox pitching stinks. Blue Jays mm-hmm. in Buffalo was always great. Like the the Orioles offense was good, They on up pitching. Like it was, it was kind of disappointed that the alberto one stung i was like what are you guys doing
1: it, it, just... it, it made zero sense and he was oh. like literally beloved in the clubhouse yeah, like I, I understand all he was was contact but like fine <laughs>
0: okay lead, lead off and you got all these guys behind him and drive him in makes sense to me sure. yeah but um all right the last question i have for you what exactly like oh, know what you're doing but What's the game plan for Sunday Night Baseball this year? Like, uh, you're just gonna watch the games when something looks cool. You're gonna make a GIF or like an overlay thing. I mean, like, what's the what's the formula for Alex Fast Sunday Night Baseball? Because I usually don't tune into Sunday Night Baseball because it's just I can't I can't listen to a lot of it. But Mm -hmm. the fact that my friend is gonna have overlays on there is gonna make me want to tune in. So, what am I gonna be tuning in for?
1: Uh, I will do my best to go above and beyond to present new and fun information and ways of thinking about the pitchers that are going that night. Luckily, I'll have some notice, right? I'll have three or four days notice about who's going to go that night. And I really just want to help people think about these things in a different way. You know, think about what a commit point is and how much movement's happening after a commit point. You know, really try and get to the heart of like what is tunneling and is it actually even good or is this just some bullshit that we made up and it actually doesn't matter as much as we think that it does. Um, So I think it's just like, all I want to do is like not look like an idiot and present pitchers in a way that is fun. I was listening today or there was someone in a broadcast during spring training where they're like, God, I'm just so sick of these strikeouts, you know? And I understand (laughs) that, but like, why can't we just make strikeouts? Cool. You know what I mean? Like I understand home runs are a lot of fun and so is contact, but like, let's look at the flip side like sometimes strikeouts can be
0: awesome when when that pitch is nasty and that guy looks foolish pretty awesome to me
1: exactly that's why i love the kbo because when they strike out they like (laughs) flip around 30 times and you know do we need Uh,
0: powers and fireworks is that what you guys want like we could do this (laughs) i'm
1: (laughs) totally down i'm totally dead uh yeah so that's a really good question no one's asked me that but that's that's what i hope to bring to the team
0: uh, well, you, you you will, because it's pretty awesome. I know even just your your uh, pitch con presentation, a guy for Rotobar Eric Smolski, he's already learned from it and he's been putting videos out and like it's it's pretty cool the way you, these people are pretty pumped on it because you're making something that is complicated look easier for people so they can do it, too. So that's a they're they're really awesome to see. So I'm looking forward to something like baseball and seeing the goodies for that.
1: Awesome. But, yeah, thanks, man.
0: No problem, my friend. Um, We'll wrap it up there. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. It's been a hectic day, a fun day, Mm. but a hectic Mm. day. And um, go ahead and plug everything. Let everybody know where they can find you. And uh, we'll do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, just come talk to me on Twitter at AlexFast8. Uh, I'm just going to I have to drive down to Florida on Saturday. A little nice 14-hour drive. So uh, every once in a while, I'll pull over and hope to talk to you guys because I'm going to be bored out of my friggin' mind in that car. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, check thanks out for out. having me, man. No problem. Yeah, check him out on Twitter, pitcher list, all the goodies. But um, we'll chat again sometime. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 348, recapping the 12-team mixed draft tout wars. Catch you guys later.